Hello, and welcome to the Aaron Evans Podcast. This podcast is devoted to people who want to love, listen, and live a little better. I'll be sharing my musings as a life coach, a mother, a yogi, an entrepreneur, and I'll be interviewing some of the most inspiring people that I know that are leaving the world a little better than how they found it. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast. If you want to stay in touch, you can follow me on Instagram at Aaron underscore Evans. Buckle up and thank you for tuning in. Keep on a whining and they carry me home Now I'm seeing things I never did before Jimmy in the backwoods making his nest Freedom from society and finding his bliss And early that summer I lost my dad He wrote me a note of the dreams he had For me and my brother and my sister kin Wish me to be happy and find love again Ladies and gentlemen, I am so excited to be sitting with my next guest. He is a talented performer. He is one of the most humble people I've ever encountered. When he is not on stage sharing his heart and his soul to a sold out crowd, you can find him at Where the Buffalo Roams, Slang and Drinks. This is Seth Anderson. Hi, Seth. Hi, thanks for having me. (laughs) So Seth, tell me a little bit about you. I am a singer-songwriter, originally from the East Coast, Hartman, New Brunswick, and I have lived in the Rocky Mountains for the past 15 years. I do a lot of touring in Canada, the US, and Europe. I've released six albums now. The last one came out with a label out of Denver called Snappy Little Numbers. Previously, I had an album come out with Joey Cape, who's a singer from a punk band that I grew up listening to called Lagwagon, came out with his label and it was kind of a, a good boost to my career to help things out a lot. Oh, nice. And do you believe that talent is born or created? I think that, of course, some people can dance and some people can't. Some people can dunk, some people can't. I think anybody with talent without work ethic, it doesn't, it, it's, it's definitely a necessary thing. To make anything of any talents that you have so sure I think that some people are born with certain things but it's what you kind of make of it that is more important. How did you know you could sing? Uh, I just always sang when I was a kid. I remember when I was like three years old banging on a guitar and singing gibberish you know <laughs> but I never performed until uh, I was probably like 18 I think and I was playing hockey in Ontario and taking this, uh, I just took a guitar class in school, and I was kind of like the hockey guy in the guitar class. They were kind of making fun of me one day, and like, and they had a rock band that played in front of the school, which was like a thousand people, and uh, they did like cover songs, or whatever. And <laughs> they're like, "Let's see if Hockey Boy can sing." And then I, I sang this song with them, and then I, that's when I first started singing with uh, or performing in front of people, really. Wow. It was terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> and so what What was your first CD or album that you ever owned? I hate to say this now with what the information that has come out, but Michael Jackson would have been my earliest uh, influence. I was a Michael Jackson kid, for sure. <laughs> and who is your inspiration now? I'm really lucky to have a lot of really talented friends 
they're great songwriters and really hard working. A lot of music I listen to now and where I draw inspiration from are friends. Um, what really like got my passion for music going, I guess, was the small like punk rock kind of community where I grew up. Nowadays, it's more probably my favorite artist right now would be like uh, Phoebe Bridgers, this band called Pine Grove, which are kind of like an indie rock. Kind of like, I really like melodic stuff that has a little bit of a rough edge to it, you know? It's like uh, experimental sometimes. And so on, on the music side of things, I, I like things without boundaries, you know? And things that emotionally really kick you in the stomach and aren't safe. Like I, playing it safe in anything is easy. I appreciate things that are kind of like, I don't, I shouldn't, swear. I'm not supposed to swear. You can swear. You can swear. Yeah, it's explicit. <laughs> I, I, I got respect for people that are like, fuck it. Like, it, it's scary. So that's why I know I shouldn't. Or it's like, it's it's pushing me outside of my boundaries as a listener and also pushing themselves outside of their boundaries as a creator. So mm. I really appreciate that kind of thing in music and art or in life, whatever. Yeah. I noticed I, there's a punk edge to your music, but then one of your songs you start off by singing and it like... Mm shocked me and I think that's what's great about your music is I can't quite pin you down yeah and that's become a bit of an issue that right now I'm trying to figure out because I've always been with my music a little all over the map when you discuss things with like people that are in the know in the music industry they like they want to be able to label you as this is what you do you know and I've always looked at it more like what I'm projecting more so emotionally than on the musical side of things like that's where the lineage comes and a lot of my songs is what's coming out of me mm. not not the genre that it fits into so um it is kind of a, a hard thing for me when people ask me like what i sound like it's kind of difficult <laughs> for me even to what would you classify yourself as folk rock indie folk do you think playing hockey at all helped you with your music career Maybe. I think it probably hurt my head a lot in, <laughs> as far as like keeping a steady train of thought on things. I learned how to work really hard and my dad always taught me when I was a kid like those were always the lessons when it came to wanting to do well in hockey. It was like you got to work harder than everybody else and put in the time and I actually enjoyed it so it wasn't ever really work to me and that's kind of the attitude that I bring to music too like I just and anybody that that is a, a functioning musician that tours works hard mm -hmm. like, you have to and and it not everybody came from a sports background but that's just kind of I feel like maybe it, it helped me with that a little bit that mm -hmm. it's like you just you have to work your tail off and and if you enjoy it it doesn't always feel like it there's some stuff that does preach does suck but, yeah, you do it. <laughs> like, I, I don't want to sit on my computer and, you know, book and all that. But at the same time, you get the chance to meet so many people and form these, like, friendships. And and that's as much of what I love about it as, as anything now is, like, the network of friends that I have. And mm. In your song, Finding Bliss, you yeah. mentioned Jimmy. Who's Jimmy? Uh, it's just, it's kind of like an East, like an East Coast slang. Like some dude you don't know or whatever. It's kind of like a, I don't know. Because <laughs> in the track, he explains that his father left him a, a letter mm -hmm. and was giving him some life advice. Yeah. And he basically, what is he saying to you? Work hard. Yeah, work hard. Don't uh, be too hard on yourself. 
the letter the song is actually about a letter that my dad wrote to me when he passed before he passed away it's kind of like just a testament to him and and things that he said in the in the letter that he never said in life you know which is a pretty powerful thing and to take the time to do something like that too it was like a pretty special thing mm. yeah. I was worried Jimmy was your brother and I was like oh poor Jimmy <laughs> well I have a couple friends named Jim and I like I was like oh, I hope I hope they don't think I'm digging on them <laughs> with this song. Uh, uh, and tell me about the creative process you mentioned to me that you're in the midst of uh, creation mm-hmm. what's it like for you it's kind of changing for me now I've recently got into home recording which allows me to make demos of like if I write a song I can add a lot of parts to it at home instead of just going in the studio and kind of winging it and hoping that it turns out the way that I envision it, which is a very, very difficult thing to, to accomplish. Nowadays, I'm writing has remained kind of the same process where I basically just like beat my head against the wall for, have to, I have to be trying to write, like it generally doesn't happen just out of nowhere these days. And I have to put my brain into that like communication mode of writing things, you know, processing things from my brain to a pen and, and just into that really honest and, um, no, no bullshit. Just say what you're thinking, mm-hmm. say what you're feeling like. And it's really hard to do that unless you could trick yourself sometimes. I think Ernest Hemingway says, write hard about what hurts. Yeah. And I've heard it before too. Like if it doesn't move you, it's not going to move your audience. Yeah, exactly. I think that's super true. And, um, if I can't sit and enjoy playing the song, how is anybody else going to enjoy that? It's work. Sometimes it's even before I'm in that mode, like I'll feel inspired, but I, I can't write. Like I want it. I'm like, I'm scared. It's like, I can't, I just can't put it down, ah. you know, and then it takes time to just get yourself. It's like somebody telling you something you don't want to hear. And then you have to like, think you got to process it. And then when you're ready for it to come out or for you to understand and, and be able to accept got to give yourself that time. <laughs> the writing process is the original idea comes out very emotionally usually and then I do a lot of fine tuning and some I don't often finish a song first sitting these days. All those hockey hits have caught up with me I think and <laughs> my attention span has gotten shorter but I work really hard on my lyrics. If there's a line I don't like I don't just throw stuff in there to fill out a, a verse or whatever a chorus. It's like I really I, I try to be very specific and and cautious about what I'm saying and make sure it's I'm saying what I, what I what I want it to. Mm-hmm. And then now I bring it once I have you know a good structure, I can bring it to the recording process at home and add you know guitars to it, electric guitars, or just kind of see what vibe I want it, see like how it works with different vibes. Do you believe in the tormented artist idea? Like your best stuff comes from pain. That's like a hot topic these days because mm-hmm. there's a large amount of mental illness and substance abuse within music, the touring musical community. And for me personally, I like I, I can't lie, like I've written, I think, some of my best songs when I'm emotionally distraught, but it's not always, it's it's not necessarily pain, it's, it's more rawness mm-hmm. or openness, you know, it's like a, being emotional doesn't mean you're suicidal. A lot of people use that as a, a, a way to become open, I guess, which I've definitely been at that point in my life. For my own well-being, I've had to learn to evolve and 
learn to be open just on my own accord and mm -hmm. anytime you're trying to achieve a goal there's struggle involved so mm -hmm. you can you can take use that and you can use that for whatever you'd like yeah if, yeah. if you want it to destroy you, then it can do that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or so, if you want it to feed you creatively, like it, can, be, it yeah. can do that too. Yeah, that's a good way to put it, that rawness and that openness, because a lot of people aren't willing to go there. Mm -hmm. But to go there, you need to feel vulnerable and you need to say what everyone's feeling. Mm -hmm. So with regards to substance, because in one of your songs you do say, I drink to make the pain go away mm -hmm. or something like that. I can relate. I think most people can. So when you're on tour, do you have a, like a method to not do that too often, or are you cool with it? Every tour, it's a, it's a struggle. Like yeah. it, and it's a cycle. I could write it down, like and explain it to the day almost. You know, on tour, it, it comes with like being tired. Like I tour solo a lot, driving, sometimes eight hours a day, getting to a place that I've never been before, meeting people that I've never met before playing to people I've never met before, compounding that with if there's relationships involved. It's like you can get into this cycle of mm -hmm. alcohol being a part of your every day. And, mm -hmm. and also just if like I have anxiety a lot and, and depression periodically. And it's like you can turn into a lot of self-medicating if you're not super aware of how you, of your body and how you're feeling. And a lot of my friends that tour, a lot of them don't drink anymore. And so you show up, you're exhausted, you've driven all night, and you're feeling lethargic, maybe anxiety. How do you show up on those days? It kind of becomes like, I don't want to say robotic, but it's like, you've, like when you've been on, when you're touring, playing multiple, multiple days in a row, it's like that becomes the most normal part of the day, kind of. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I know when I step on stage, I know what to do. When I show up an hour early and there's a bunch of people that like I'm not sure what to do, <laughs> like I'm just hanging out. So it, it kind of becomes like that's the that's yeah that's like uh, the one thing where you can not that you have control as long as you can keep focus on that being your purpose mm -hmm. of every day is that half hour or hour that you're on stage. Ten thousand hours to mastery, so it's like a well-oiled machine. Yeah, there was a, a period a few years ago. I, I think I had like four months of touring straight and in the middle I recorded this record that just came out last February or this past February. I just remember the beginning of that tour how it felt playing shows and like by the end of the tour I felt like I was going to war every night on stage but like I felt like a warrior. Cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it was very, it was cool. And it's just, I'd never played, like I've done, you know, a couple months of touring in a row, but I'd never played like that much mm. in that short of a time. And it was when I first started touring in US and, and Europe. It was a new audience a lot, of, a lot of nights. It was challenging, very challenging, but also super enjoyable. And... I used and I just kind of would play like I didn't I, I didn't think about what do I want to say between songs or you know I hope people get this or this it's like it was more like I'm about to give you something I'm presenting you with this and and I fucking mean it <laughs> like it was the confidence that came with that you know well if you've ever seen him play he like captures everybody in the audience and it's usually a Thank sold you. out crowd it's true though and, and that's... Canmore, so <laughs> hopefully usually it is but... I'll agree too <laughs> 
And that's a superpower to connect with the audience. That was like a big learning thing too. I remember um, probably like 10 years ago when I had just started touring solo. So it was one of my, it was when I first started touring a lot just by myself in my van. I'd watch, like I would go to watch shows, a lot of shows and just watch what other performers would do that were really successful, you know, that were much more successful than I was at that point or am now even. I just remember, like, the, you notice that with people that are really good at their job, like, how they connect. For me personally, like, I'm not the kind of person that wants to be the center of attention in a room normally. I like to express, and I want to want to connect with people, but it's not, like, I'm not, like, a grand, like, a, <laughs> you know, centerpiece kind of person. And performing emotionally intense material, too, it's like, it's easy to go in words, you know, and lose yourself, lose that connection kind of. So I remember when I, back then I was like, okay, I need to just at least once in the show, I have to really connect with the audience. Like whether it's a story or participation or, you know, something, but there has to be that one moment in the, in the, in the night that, people won't forget and like that's how that's what they'll remember which comes back to like it's not you know how you it's it's people don't remember what you say or whatever they remember how you make them feel so mm. it, it kind of comes back to that philosophy about things and so it was like that was like the starting point of learning I feel like slowly and still learning how to like connect with people in that context where you're presenting so much of yourself mm -hmm. Um, which is almost can make it easier, I guess, once you can accept that. And... It's so layered. I know like mm -hmm. teaching yoga at first, it was like sequencing. And then I was like, okay, I'll learn to touch bodies. Okay. Then I'll throw philosophy in. Okay. And then I'll put music on top of it. But it's like, yeah. you, you it's learn. It's one little thing. At a yeah, time, yeah. That's cool. I never knew that's what mu musicians did, but I love that when they do that. Some people, yeah. I mean, some people, I felt like I had to, um, not everybody does. I, it's like, I love performers that just get up and say nothing. Like I kind of uh, assimilate watching a, especially a solo performer, live to like why do people go to, or why are people impressed when they see a bear in the wild or a deer in the wild? Like you're seeing something in its natural environment, which is outside of your normal daily activities. So like to see an artist painting or like somebody doing spoken word or a musician performing. And being so present, it's like you're seeing that person in such a bizarre, natural environment that it's like enticing. And and like I think that's people talk a lot about banter on stage and that kind of stuff, which I'm like partially a student of, but I'm not sold on it. Mm -hmm. I think that other side of it for me as a as a spectator, like I appreciate that other side a lot. Yeah. Well, this the, the lyrics tell us everything we need to know. Yeah. Although the story behind it is kind of cool also. Yeah, and I really have grown to enjoy that side of performing too. Mm -hmm. Some people tell me I talk too much sometimes, but <laughs> it's like I just enjoy talking to the audience. And also it takes pressure off me if I just get up there and I'm like, and it's just like, hey, what's up guys? Like, mm -hmm. let's talk. Like, what are we, how's, how are things? Like, what's new? <laughs> I got some songs that I wrote. Like, I hope you like them. <laughs> It's like if you can take that edge off and level with people, it just 
it, it allows them to process stuff a little easier too, I think. And then they're in your world and mm-hmm. they feel safe and you've seen me and I've seen you and now we have this relationship. Yeah. How did you know this was a dream that you could go after? Like when I was a little kid, when my uncle had a touring band. I always heard stories of that and I always like that side of my family, like my, my mom's side, uh, were su- are super musical and kind of like a little bit, not my mom, she's very religious, but is still a wild woman, you know, her side, like they're, they're like your typical musician kind of family kind of thing. Ah. <laughs> I just really felt that and felt a part of that. And I was always musical when I was a kid. Like anytime I would see the music, like uh, when a, a show was on, like music by whatever, I'd be like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm gonna play, I'm gonna do music when I'm older. Like, and then there was uh, with this punk scene in our in my hometown, there was all these really, you know, a bunch of kids playing in bands that would tour, that would come through and, and play our town. And I never knew that existed before that happened. Like, you just would hear bands on the radio or whatever, and and just think, oh, I don't, they just got discovered and now they're famous. I didn't understand, like, that bands did that. They toured and they, just for the love of it. But do you think it was, like, written in you? Or do you think you consciously chose, like, I'm going to do this? Or do you think there was another option? This might sound kind of bizarre, but I always felt like that's what I was going to do. Even with, with hockey, I mean, as soon as I started, I didn't start playing guitar until I was, like, 18. And as soon as that happened, like this switch kind of flipped and I started straying away from that. And I've heard people's stories as musicians that stuff just falls into place effortlessly, which is amazing. And I'm sure they worked really hard and mm-hmm. all of that, but not everybody has the same story, obviously with music. And for some people, maybe they have a very clear vision of what, where they're going. And that's why it happens so, you know, effortlessly for them as well. But for some people like myself, it's like it's been a lot of years of trying to figure out where I want to take it and where I want my position, like how I want music to be in my life as a profession, like in what capacity do I want to take it? And also, do I want to conform to anything? Do I want to stick only to my, do I only want to do exactly what I want to do? And with anything, there's a gray area. What do you think? What is your vision? Um, I still don't know. I mean, it still changes, like, especially with the last four months. Before the the pandemic hit, I just had a record come out. And I was very, very, very busy and stressed out. It's one of those things where you just have to do that stuff for a period, I think, to get to that level where people can help you, maybe. Mm-hmm. And I've been doing this for quite a while now. and. There's been small victories. No matter where you're at, there's always going to be stress. It's it's going to be wearing a different hat sometimes, but it's like about you just need to learn how much how how you're going to let things affect you in your professional life and and just having like a clear vision of where you want to end up is very important, but uh yeah, for me personally, I still don't know. Like I I like so many different types of music and I just, I love to write songs. I don't try to write to sound a specific way, you know, it's like... Is there a stage that you want to be on one day? Red Rocks <laughs> would be like my dream stage probably. Cool. Um, yeah, I always used to have a vision of playing like folk fest stages and that kind of thing. 
And recently I've kind of drifted away from that even a little bit. Like I'd like to play to open audiences where it's not, not to say folk fests are not open audiences. I should word this correctly, but, um, but like I said, I come from a punk kind of background and I still have a lot of those ethos within my business and my music side of things. So, um, I really, I love playing to, you know, that community, which is where a lot of, where I do play a lot and have played a lot. Um, but at the same time, it's like, like with any business or with anything in life, you want to keep, keep growing. So I'd love to venture into other waters mm -hmm. with it as well. And, um, yeah, it's, it's about letting go. You can't, I, I, I need to let go a little bit of, of, uh, where, it, what it is and mm -hmm. where it's going. And, when you say the ethos of punk, do you mean like bodies tight and moving and dancing and like almost on the stage? No, I, I think punk rock is for what it, like it used to be kind of this like a hard edge kind of mentality kind of thing, but it's like this very open-minded community of people that believe in positive energy and positivity and, um, you know, helping each other out and progressiveness and not being a shitty person and it's not about all about the business you know it's about mm -hmm. the relationships and about the show and just like the energy in the room like that's what punk rock is to me it's an amazing scene to be a part of and i've just grown really accustomed to it and the big bad world of the music industry is intimidating and there's a lot about it that i that for me personally i've had to learn to be a lot more open to mm. and which I've also had to really figure out where I stand on stuff and there's things that I am cool with and things that I'm not and that's like part of the, the process of expanding into other areas I think of the music industry for me. What's your growing edge as a musician? Like uh, different instruments, uh, a way to write songs differently, um, your marketing, your, like, is there an edge right now that you're starting to play with? Um, I guess the market, like the nowadays social media is a really, you know, large thing. <laughs> and I've been trying to be better at that. Um, which is another thing of me having to like let go of, of my my opinion mm -hmm. of social media like if i if i wasn't a musician i don't know that i would be have any part of it um i don't and that's like I, i'm not saying it's a bad thing and i people that are really like you know that that love it that's great and i think it's really cool to inspire people with what you're doing which is great it can become a bragging platform which which I mean, I do sometimes with it, and it's, but sometimes it's like, I just need to say something. Like, I don't know. Anything. <laughs> I'm supposed to say something today. I don't know. But So it's like learning to, imp it's it's just, a, it's all an attitude thing. I, I'm trying to improve my attitude towards things that I haven't been so much a part of in the mm -hmm. past. Even professional athletes, they now need platforms. Mm -hmm. And that was something. They just used to need to hit a ball. Yeah. And now they need to have, yeah, a personality online. What has been one of the hardest moments for you? One, like one thing that you develop with touring and I, with any, with running a business or anything, you start to learn that there's not really any time for problems. 
there's only time for solutions. You know, like if something goes wrong, what do you do? It, it happened. And you could get bummed about it or you figure it out. And I don't know, there's always these like solutions. So, but I guess it, in my, in my kind of normal, in, in my own personal life, I used to tour a lot and then my dad got sick and then I took some time off to like work and take pressure off my mom and that kind of thing and move back home a little bit. And then uh, he'd passed away and then I, I kind of got back into music and having to stop touring during that time was difficult and going through that. But at the same time, there, it was a really, there was a lot of growth during that time too and I wrote a lot. So it kind of was like when I did come back to it, I felt like it was like a whole new start on things, you know. Mm -hmm. So that was that was that was challenging. But uh, when you are a touring musician, there's a lot of struggle. <laughs> I'm not to complain, but it's like it's just the way that it is. There's not a lot of there's not a lot of money in it, you know. Like you have to live very in a very cheap way, and like you just gotta laugh. <laughs> It's funny, I actually have a rock that has solution on one side and problem on the other. Yeah. And whenever, like you said it so articulately, that's it. Like I'm running a business, I, ca I can't shit the bed. I can't n not get out of bed in the morning. Yeah. And I often am like, okay, so what's the solution? This isn't a problem. Mm -hmm. um, you trick yourself into it. Yeah, sometimes. isn't it? I know. It's like when you go to play a show and you like don't want to you know, leave your vehicle and you just have to be like, okay. This is oh, because the natural ebbs and flows of being introverted and extroverted, it's just normal. Yeah. And then you're sh thrown on stage and tell us your darkest secrets. Yeah. Uh, who is your biggest inspiration? I guess like probably my, my parents have always been a pretty big inspiration. My, my mom is still like, she's 70, we'll say it, 72 now. She just <laughs> had a birthday, but uh, she's a very, she's like a super energetic, like, uplifting volunteers does all the stuff like she just goes 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 all the time and um i just like wish that i i hope i have that much energy <laughs> i wish i could have that much energy now this and i said i could still have it when i'm her age but yeah she's been a big inspiration my dad he had lou garrick's disease and watching him go through that um i, I learned so much and he couldn't speak through a lot of it so just like learning from somebody's, like without conversation, learning from people just by their actions. And it, that was a big lesson in life for me, you know, it like, doesn't matter what you say, it matters what you do and, and how you're treating people or, you know, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So those were probably, the, my parents have been, you know, our relationship hasn't always been the best, but it's always like, they've always been supportive in however they know how you know like they were hockey parents and then i'm like screw that i'm gonna be a musician now at 25 years old and i had a you know i went to university and i'm just like no i'm just gonna do this instead and they had to figure out how to deal with that mm -hmm. and like looking back on it now i'm like if that was me and i was my kid like i wouldn't know what to say either like just accept this and also i lived in canmore which is more of a transient lifestyle kind of town. Like I, I never knew what I wanted to do other than music. Like I've always just had random jobs. I moved, I've lived in 25 different places in Canmore. Like as a, for a parent, that's gotta be a difficult thing to go through. And I watched them looking back now, it's like, 
I, I see the the process they went through and how they finally came to understand it and mm-hmm. be okay with it. And it's like, that takes, for somebody that's been through so many generations, like that takes a lot of work to get to that point where you're like, okay, we're good with this. Like Yeah, but they probably had faith in what you were doing. I think it came with time, yeah. Um, at first, I don't know if they did. <laughs> if they did. <laughs> Once they realized that it's like, it's you're never like an end product you know everybody's always improving or growing and mm-hmm. especially in art it's like you're always or life you're always learning and trying to get better or mm-hmm. whatever you know figure out how you want and do their best. generation was like stick to a job mm-hmm. <clears throat> work your job and that work. was kind of part of the reason that I think a lot of our well for me and a lot of my friends in our generation tend to do our own thing because we grew up in that very like structured home environment and for for me, I just, I I almost did it, and then I was like, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> almost took over my dad's electrical company when I was like, you know, got into the business with him. Lasted like a week, and I was like, Dad, I just I can't. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, I know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> do something else. How do you keep relationships alive when you're on tour? that's like something that I still haven't figured out it's like it's I think that there's like this illusion of what touring is like for a lot of people um women throwing their bras at you yeah and just maybe I don't know um there's like this this uh stereotype I guess that goes with you know rock stars which is not what I am and not what a lot of people are that you think are It's just trying to be present when the opportunity is there to, you know, to interact, to communicate with whoever you're staying in contact with. It's like just allowing the time. And when I first started touring, it was always like the experience. Like I didn't want anything to interfere with the experience of touring, which hurt my relationships when I was away. Because, you know, obviously you're going to exclude somebody from Mm -hmm. make them feel less valued or whatever. So it's like just learning that. Like, it's just another day. Like, I happen to be in Phoenix, Arizona, you know, wherever today. But it's just another day. Like, it's just, this is my job today. Mm -hmm. But it's like two different lives almost. Yeah. You're driving, you're flying, you're on stage. Like, Mm -hmm. it's crazy. And then they're home doing what they always do. Yeah, it takes a very, I've been like really fortunate to have in the past very strong partners that, um, like, have their, that are very, uh, that are, are very um secure in their mm-hmm. in their in their lives and and have their own stuff going on and it's not uh they've I've been really lucky to have people in my life that are understanding and the hardest part is coming back from tour and just going back to normal because you're used to when you're in that state of motion all the time you get in the flow of that and it's like you're playing every night and it feels really good and and then when you come home it, it takes a few days to decompress and just like learn how to sit oh my gosh just like a a holiday you go on a holiday and then you come home and there's like a bit of a lethargy depression afterwards it's like a holiday but you're so but you're like actually kind of working when you're away and you're you're on stage doing what you love yeah and it's like touring is it's is an exhausting thing (laughs) so it's like the funny it's always funny when like you're if you have a job and you go away on tour and you come back and, and your co-workers are like, how was your vacation? And you're like, well, <laughs> I wouldn't quite call it a vacation, but it was great. Uh, uh, what is the greatest advice you've ever received? 
when I when I was when I was younger, back to like when I played hockey, um, my dad had this electrical contracting company that uh, he'd grown into be fairly successful and like took on some bigger projects and stuff and and we were talking about a hockey tryout that was like another level up or whatever and and I was kind of nervous about it and and he just he kind of assimilated it to Billy bidding on big projects and he's like you know I see these huge projects and they seem like so much and it seems like like more than I could ever handle but like once I if I just like focus and get into it and not you know freak out too much I find my it's not so bad like once I get into it and just take it as it comes and deal with the things as they come up and he's like it's always manageable and you can always figure it out so that's like life <laughs> basically totally. is like yeah a major life lesson I suppose so and it's and your capacity grows you get good at one thing and then mm -hmm. you can take on more and your stress uh, management grows that's it's, true life like a, I've learned to like kind of keep in check with myself enough when I'm doing a lot of shit where I'm like okay I'm like my brain is gonna explode and then something will come up and I'll be like okay I could I think I can stuff this into so I do and then it's like okay I got this <laughs> you know something yeah. or just my brain explodes <laughs> <laughs> I had one more question about your creative process do you choose a, a theme or a life event or like a topic and then write about that or um i used um i don't really do that too often these days i guess usually if i i'll start writing and then oh. it'll be like oh, okay this is what i'm trying to say mm. ah. but there was a time when i would um then when i would try to like find cool thing stories to, you know to write about or people or which i which was great and i would love to get back to mm. um but a lot of times it just out of <laughs> nothing yeah I know I love to write but a lot of the time I'm in the mud like I'm just like what are you even trying to say yeah I just, just I like that like conscious state or flow state of mm -hmm. writing you know like I do. Hunter S Thompson or Tom Robbins style writing like I really love that and mm. and uh it's it's uh, I don't know I like I try I try to write that way now cool it's harder to explain what the hell anything is about like in the songs but it's like it just feels good to write that way yeah yeah sounds good <laughs> what about your favorite book oh I'm I, I always feel odd talking about this because I'm not like I'm not a huge reader okay um so Dr. Zeus all the places mm -hmm. you go or something yeah definitely um <laughs> it's been a while since I've read a book well you probably listen I, I read re I, I read uh Tuesdays with with um Maury with Maury before Christmas because of my dad he had Lou Gehrig's disease and that's what that book's about and it keep it kept popping up everywhere that I went so I finally bought it and I read it before Christmas and uh I I I really loved it I had a lot of personal investment in, in it but uh yeah I, I really enjoyed that book a lot cool. <laughs> favorite song oh man that's super difficult that's like asking Willy Wonka to choose a favorite candy yeah I yeah I, I love the song Ben by Michael Jackson but I hate Michael Jackson I know but what's your thought on it because I still love the music and a lot of my friends are like I'm not listening to it anymore no I, I my personal feeling is that he should be erased from wow okay from human history mm. yeah fair yeah I mean 
people have issues in life and that's so is not their fault sometimes but how they deal with those issues and problems is is their fault and um yeah not to get into it yeah much, no but, and i can't even wrap my head around it yeah so i, I feel like there's there's other artists that um there's a lot of artists that have been shunned from the music community and industry that have gotten called out in the last few years and his music you still hear it on the radio which mm-hmm. i don't understand like but um yeah that song ben i i do i always love that song <laughs> i hate to say it. uh and favorite quote <clears throat> Uh, well, one of my friends who was an artist, this is like another advice kind of one, I guess. One of my friends from home, who's an actress, she actually told my mom this uh, after one of my shows at home, like probably eight or nine years ago. She was like, just remember, Seth is, is not a final pro- product. Like he's, he's always learning. And as an artist, that's it. Like I said before, like, or as a human, you're never a final product like you're always changing evolving and and growing one of the very best compliments <clears throat> i ever got was someone was like i can't quite put my finger on you i think you're one thing and then you're another thing and i'm like thank you mm-hmm. i hope i always surprise you yeah the coolest thing that anybody ever said to me uh was it in toronto i think it was like 2000 it was my first solo tour without any like just by myself in the van and it was probably like 2000 nine or ten i think and uh i was playing with a friend named john brooks who's a songwriter a folk singer from toronto and it was like just this small little i don't know if you've been so much time in toronto but there's like these halls small like hallway bars kind of you know and it was this place called not my dog and he like just let me play he i was his guest that night it was like his weekly gig where he made 30 bucks or whatever he gave me a cd for playing i think or something but but uh, so I was playing and uh, a lady came up to me after there's only five people there or something. But this lady came up after and she's like, you were good, but I can't wait to see it in 25 years. And I was just like, whoa, this is wow. That's wow. I never thought of that. Like, so cool. And it just that kind of changed how I thought about like every music and a lot of like myself and music in a lot of ways, because. And also it made me realize, like, I do want to be that. I, I do want to do this for the rest of my life. You know, it's like, it's not just a, a phase or something. Mm-hmm. Kind of goes back to what your dad had said about, like, d- don't look at the past as, like, a mistake because you're ever-changing, ever-evolving, ever-getting yeah. better. Yeah, I'm, it's super cliche, but, I mean, everything that happens, there's, just, there's something to learn from it. And it's like you can choose what you want to how you want to use that Mm -hmm. try to make something positive out of it if you can or go to therapy yeah (laughs) (laughs) awesome well thank you so much and seth where can we find you um i'm on all the streaming platforms of seth anderson um i have a website sethandersonmusic.com and uh yeah you can the internet is a powerful thing so i can't really hide anywhere okay sweet (laughs) and and when the world opens back up you need to see this man (laughs) thank Thank you so much thanks for having me what a fascinating conversation about something i know nothing about seth anderson is definitely worth your time and attention i highly recommend checking out his music If you like this podcast and you want to hear more like it, be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast. 
Again, I am honored to have your attention.